0: And gentlemen, welcome to eat, sleep, suplex, retweet.
1: And just like that, we're back. It's as if we were never away. Okay crying as Dave, I don't know what Dave was doing there, ripping up <laughs> the background, but anyway Centro's <laughs> back and as professional as ever, I'm Ross McLeod you're me f- you've heard Dave in the background I, I, I don't know what he was doing there, Dave what the hell were you doing?
0: <laughs> um, nothing, it was just, that wasn't from my end, I don't know where you were hearing paper from <laughs> or maybe, well, because it definitely wasn't me because I'm certainly not a paper champion, I am the WeTweet Eat, Eat, uh-huh. champion now
1: Moving swiftly on. uh, (laughs) you would like to listen to shows that don't have Dave on it. We have a large selection of these shows over at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and Android. Uh, You can also find us at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. So the big pay-per-view of the week, the big story of the week is Extreme Rules and all the fallout that's come in WWE since that. Dave, just without uh, any spoilers, what were your thoughts on the show? And yeah, just uh, what did you think of the show? Did you watch it live?
0: Yeah, I watched it um, Saturday night. It was actually very good for a B pay-per-view, all things considered. I mean, a couple of low points here and there, but given compared to past events, this has definitely been one of the better ones.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Extreme rules in recent years, has become a very stale pay per view. I think is the word. Mm. You know, the extreme yeah. matches saved for just the the main events and no other stipulation matches throughout because WWE has so many stipulation pay per views. But wasn't the case this year, and we kicked things off with a good old fashioned Donnie Brook. I've never in my life heard an Irish person use that phrase but uh, apparently Sheamus' is match type now he's stuck with it, it's like the fight but um, <laughs> we had uh, coming off the back of another sensational and title match uh, with Walter and Sheamus uh, Gunther and Sheamus I should say Gunther once again walking away retaining the title uh, Sheamus and the brawling brooks took on Gunther and Imperium in a six person good old fashioned Donnybrook match and if you don't know what that was it's essentially a barroom brawl, falls count anywhere style match, an absolute classic to kick us off. I felt Sheamus, for me, showing that he is a match of the year contender when you let him just play that brawler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like
0: this over delivered in so many ways, and it got it got a good bit of time as well. Like um, I think it was the second longest match of the card as well, and it was the opening match as well. Like. It was just like, you know, six man traditional tornado tag, all out anarchy, all out brawling. It fits both these guy, both these factions, fighting styles, uh, near fall after near fall. The barricade went down when I don't think it was supposed to. Announce table gets broken. Um, use of the shillelaghs was very good. And everybody, including Ridge Holland, actually got a very, very good showing, all things considered. This, I think, I would have given it, you know, arguably match of the night right there and then if I hadn't seen all the other ones
1: Yeah, certainly a contender for match of the night I, I, w- I couldn't argue if anyone had it as their personal match of the night um, Sheamus losing the Intercontinental title match on the Friday winning this on the Saturday uh, we'll, we'll get into Smackdown which aired last uh, at time of recording 24 hours ago uh, in a wee bit wee bit, but this looks like a way to move Sheamus and the Brutes away from the Intercontinental title picture without having Sheamus look too weak. He might have lost the the singles match, but they won the faction warfare and it sort of keeps the brawling Brutes running, while Walter can carry the momentum for Imperium uh, as Intercontinental champion.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, it was a good way to sort of Sheamus get some retribution over Gunter without the stable-looking week all things considered and given what happened on Smackdown I think there's always room for them to pick it up at a later point in time maybe at a, maybe towards Wrestlemania season but the 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 Brutes have been getting massively over uh, because just you know as they say they keep on putting banger after banger after banger and Sheamus has even said in interviews and stuff like his program with Ridge and Pete Dunn is like some of the most fun he's had in the 13 years he's been with wwe so and it and it shows as well like it's just like three guys going in or like old mates with each other and they're just having the time of their lives out there doing what they do best and that's just beating people up
1: yeah and a a specific a special shout out to the handling of both gunther and butch under the Triple H regime. Now, we obviously, you've heard me slip up a few times and call him Walter. Butch, obviously, the former Pete Dunn, But I like how they've decided to... They've kept the name. They can't change everyone's name at once. You know, they've, they've been subtle with it, you know, adding the Matt back to Matt Riddle and uh, such. But the presentation of Gunther is the exact same as Walter. And Pete Dunn. sorry Butch being allowed to wear the Pete Dunn attire as opposed to that ridiculous... Like, he looked like a paper boy from 1940s Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the hat and the vest and the, you know, the mm. dockers, So
0: He's like a standard citizen from the suburbs of the UK.
1: Yeah, so he looks like he looks like Pete Dunne again. He's, I think I heard Michael Cole a few times mentioning the bruiserweight style. So they're still hinting at... Um, at that past life without going straight back and going, because as much as we all would like to just, you know, magically revert, there is more than just us watching. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's going to take time to build people back to where they were, but I don't have a, I don't have a problem with this. Um Second match on the card, Ronda Rousey defeating Liv Morgan. Uh, in an extreme rules match for the SmackDown women's title uh, six matches on this show only two title matches both for the women's titles. so the women getting the spotlight here um, I didn't like this I, uh, I haven't enjoyed Ronda Rousey's return to WWE I enjoyed the first run tremendously I I don't get Liv Morgan um, at the start of this year she had a good few matches with Becky Lynch I think we're now seeing that she's not ready to carry the load in the match, and that was a lot of a lot of that was Becky carrying her to a good match. Mm-hmm. I just I haven't enjoyed this programme. I haven't enjoyed how they booked to Live Morgan. And I, I thought the I thought the finish was a bit bizarre as well, getting choked out while at the same time smiling. Um mm-hmm. just uh just not a not an enjoyable feud and not an enjoyable match for me.
0: Yeah, especially when you're having to follow the Donnie Brook match, which, as we said, you know, over delivered in a lot of ways. They they were, I think, they were doomed right from the off. Nobody's not got that much interest in <coughs> Ronda Rousey's booking anymore. Like her first run, obviously, was the much better one. This this time around, it just felt like it's sort of like, all right, let's just let's just get it out of the way. Let's give Liv Morgan some some new direction give her a new character to work with, but not taken away from the, the spots in the match. You know, there were some pretty good spots. You know, we got the, the sent on through the table. Um, there was the spots with the the judo belt and the baseball bats as well. So don't get me wrong, there were some, some decent spots, but in st- terms of storyline, just was not interested at all.
1: No, I've not um, not enjoyed it, but... Hey, Ronda's champion again. I wonder who they'll have step up to her. (coughs) Excuse me. Oh, for God's sake! I'd actually quite enjoy um, a Bailey Ronda Rousey feud, and I'd actually, if you're talking about Charlotte Flair coming back, I think Charlotte Bianca Belair. We've saw them before uh, at an NXT takeover. I believe it was Portland.
0: No, that was. Bianca Rhea Ripley. The um, Bianca faced Charlotte on just a
1: traditional NXT taping.
0: Ah, see. Um,
1: well, I'd love to see a Bianca uh, Charlotte Flair feud, but we'll we'll touch on that a bit uh, a bit later on. But who who do you see taking the title from Ronda Rousey? Do you? I mean, uh, to me, to me, it's probably going to be a bit WrestleMania time before she loses the title.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not exactly spot for. Spot for choice here because they could bring someone back within that time frame if she's going to hold it to WrestleMania. But I think, given the interaction she's had with folk backstage, the only other person I've seen is Shayna, you know, because they, they've got history with UFC and MMA and stuff. But I don't know. Shayna just feels like a bit of a almost cursed at this point. Doesn't matter what she does, she's not going to grab the title. But I mean, she she might still do which is not the same Shayna Baszler we saw in NXT who had that, that final boss-style run. So yeah, yeah, at this moment, I'd probably say it's up in the air.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, very much up in the air. As is, um, as was the next match, in my opinion, um, not a bad match, not a great match, but just a match I I wasn't a fan of the finish of uh, Drew McIntyre carrying cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a strap match, I, I enjoyed the fact that Carrying Cross refused to play Drew's games, beat the hell out of him before it. For only for Drew to eventually make him force him to join the strap match. But I felt Carrying Cross. Uh, we, we mentioned that final boss battle sort of feel. That was the feel he had in NXT. He didn't actually. I don't. Other than Samoa Joel he didn't lose any matches in NXT but his whole main roster run the first time around was a bit of a bit of a damp squib and i just feel that with with the way cross was booked before and the fact that the main roster is watched more than NXT i felt he needed a big statement win here and you know it was a no dq match there was no need for you know what we got, which was the end of the match. Drew's going for the claymore. He's had a really good, uh, pose- uh, sorry, uh, really good portion of dominance in the match. He's about to hit the claymore, and then Scarlet runs in and maces him before Karrion Cross hits him with the uh, with the big elbow at the back of the head and the then Yeah, the cross hammer I just, I, bizarre, biz- bizarre booking. I think it's sort of when you want to keep Drew Fred, keep Drew up there, but want to boot, carry him back to what he was. I don't think you're going to do that with finishes like that.
0: Yeah, I think the execution towards the end was a little sloppy, but I think I could see what they were trying to do. They wanted to give Cross the win, but not make Drew look weak in the process, like just sort of say he was screwed over by a, an interfering Scarlet. But then again, it's a, it's a notch in the win column for cross. And I think that was the, the end game for extreme rules, but the feuds not over by a a long shot, as you'd seen from, from SmackDown. Maybe this is where the, uh, maybe that could be where the defining statement comes in, you know, like cross needs a, a massive win, like on his own, like no questions asked. And that puts him on, on tier with guys like Roman guys, like drew, he puts him, it solidifies him in the main event scene. This just felt like a, a bit of a cop-out a little bit just for a, a pay-per-view win.
1: Yeah, I agree. And also, um, I believe this is the first time Cross has had a match since his return.
0: He's had one match on SmackDown against another Drew, uh, Gulak.
1: Gulak, right. So it's his first big match. So I, I think mm-hmm. there, there should have been a place for him on the likes of Clash at the Castle to maybe establish himself a bit more but that's tell you what i'd
0: have have loved to see him compete live. that would have been awesome
1: yeah um but it was a six match card the two worst matches we've got out the way another great match for me the ladder match Mm. for the wwe raw women's championship bianca belair and bailey both of these women deliver constantly both history makers in their own right and both having the first one-on-one women's ladder match for the Raw Women's Title, mm-hmm. so hey, another another history notch on both their belts. There. What's that word uh, we use
0: whenever something history-making oh, happens?
1: Yeah. We we don't do that anymore. We move on. We move we've on. Matured. <laughs> <Yeah>. We've matured. We've <laughs> matured. Um, I don't think we've matured. We're certainly not matured, but we'll do <laughs> <on that. laughs> um, but yeah, Bianca Belair defeats Bailey to retain the Raw Women's title. I like that Bianca did it on her own. I like that Bailey just didn't come back and straight away win the title. I think there's more of a story to be told there. But um, the match itself, absolutely brilliant. The KOD, while uh, Bailey still has the ladder in her hand, the ladder hitting the mat and hitting her face. I thought we were going to have another Joey Mercury. Oh, but yeah. continues to from her SmackDown Women's title win over uh, Sasha Banks at WrestleMania to now, she keeps adding classic after classic to her repertoire. She's had great matches with Becky Lynch. She's, had, she's pulled out great matches with, I'm not saying, oh, she's pulled out a great match at Carmella, but she's had good matches with Carmella. Carmella, <laughs> very underrated person, and she they managed to turn uh, chicken shit into chicken salad with some of the storylines they were given. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some some great matches in there, and this is just another another notch on the belt.
0: Yeah, like I always love when a a ladder match is featured on a pay per view because you know you're going to get some amazing spots. And the K.O.D. with the ladder that was that looked brutal with the finish. And I could see Bailey was bleeding a little bit. I don't know if it just got her in the the nose or the mouth or something, but it was uh, effective for what it was. It was. The result was a little bit shocking though. I was expecting Bailey to get the win following the interference from damage control. I mean which we did get and you know there were some big spots, you know, falling off the ladder, etc. Um I think the the double KOD on Eon Dakota was a little sloppy because I think the setup was a little a little botchy, but I mean it was a decent decent spot all things considered, but the match itself overall yeah, it was very solid. Not my favourite of the night, but a good sort of halfway halfway point match.
1: I think this sort of helped pick the crowd back up after mm. a lackluster SmackDown women's title match and a, a quite bizarre ending to the... To the... the strap uh, match. Yeah, the strap match. Um, I cross versus strap in my head there and I couldn't get it out <laughs> But yeah... Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if he brought back his old um, dominatrix-looking gear it would probably fit right in.
1: But yeah, um, this sort of picked the crowd back up and yeah, no complaints about this match. The feud continues, which I enjoy because there's not many uh, title contenders for Bianca Belair over on Raw at the minute.
0: We've got to have them go at it in war games. I mean... I've said this to Ryan on Saturday Draft Live. Damage control, I think, needs to be featured in the women's half of war games. And maybe Bianca and her faction could go up against her.
1: Maybe, maybe. Well, we'll move on to who could be in the women's war games to who could be in the men's war games. The Judgment Day, Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio, Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest, all, all represented here as Finn Balor takes on Edge in an I Quit match. This was shenanigans galore. violence brutal, all around the arena. Th- this uh, was dark. Yeah, 29 minutes and 55 seconds this match was given. Just short of the half-hour mark. Uh, Rey Mysterio predictably made a, a cameo. As did, as not as predictable, Beth Phoenix mm. getting involved in the match. Her and Rhea Ripley going at it. Um just tell me, what did you enjoy about this match? What did you enjoy about it?
0: Oh, Michael Cole's commentary, like that's what I enjoyed the most. And particularly when everybody started getting involved. Like the match up to that point, you know, was fairly solid. You know, not not many weapons spots, but there was a good one. I think Edge had Balor on the pre-show panel desk with the hockey stick. That was uh, that was quite good. And uh, going through the crowd, you know, hitting the the overhang on the concrete and on the stairs. But when Judgment Day got involved, that's when things really picked up. Dominic takes out Ray Ray, and Michael Cole looks like he's having, sounds like he's having an aneurysm on commentary. He's like, "Somebody needs to give that kid a backslap," and he's your father for God's sake! That it's. I said in the group chat that that was Jr. Energy right there. It was. It just added to the the drama and the storytelling. Every every possible angle. Then there's. Beth Phoenix versus Rhea Ripley, that sets up a future clash between those two, probably. But the finish, though, all of Judgment Day holding Edge down while Rhea concertos Beth, forcing Edge to say I quit just to protect his wife, and then they're just like, nah, <laughs> boom. Beth's out for the count, and oh. Oh. I enjoyed this so much. It was it was brilliant. Every single aspect of it just done perfectly
1: We we mentioned Bianca not having many challengers, I'm just remembering Rhea still is owed a Raw Women's title match um, and mm-hmm. she just showed herself to be possibly the most despicable heel on Raw since Edge and has rated our superstar run the, the callousness of waiting for Edge to say I quit and then still hitting the concerto on Beth Phoenix uh, you mentioned Michael Cole. I find it funny that the the best call of the Attitude Era by Cole was when Vince McMahon was at ringside and not in his ear mm-hmm. when it was Mankind winning the title. And now that Vince isn't in his ear, he's just he's let loose. He's he's showing people that for years he's been bogged down with poor direction. When left his own devices, he's a great commentator. Yeah, and. The I I really enjoyed when Edge kicked Dominic in the balls. Oh yeah! He screams, good, you little brat.
0: <laughs> Tell you what though, I mean, see it clash at the castle. I think Michael Cole actually got one of the biggest pops of the entire night when the commentators came out like that. <laughs> like that's how universally liked he is now. That you know, Vincent screaming in his ear instead. He's got Triple H, you know, giving him a few pointers, etc. But. You're right, when he's left to his own devices, he delivers some brilliant commentary.
1: Absolutely, and I wonder where we go from here with the Judgment Day, because we'll we'll touch on a couple of things, because this is the semi-main event. Before we go into the main event and just, you know, it's all about you-know-who. Judgment Day were on Raw this week. They had a a bit, a bit of back and forth with Rey Mysterio. Um, Ray's made it clear he's not going to fight his son. He's now moved to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit later on. They've tried to recruit AJ Styles, only for AJ Styles to then recruit the Good Brothers back to WWE. Um, Good Brothers have been featured mm-hmm. in the likes of AEW, Impact Wrestling. They won the titles, pardon me, three times in the two years they've been away. Uh, had some great matches with the likes of Violent by Design and the Briscoe Brothers. Uh, they've also... They're still featured. They're apparently still uh, committed to New Japan until January 2020. Uh, sorry, January 2023. Um, so I think this is making it clear that there is maybe a working relationship with New Japan and WWE here because Carl Anderson has mm. currently... The never open weight champion. By the way, Scott has been. Make, Scott has been texting me to make sure that when we mention the Good Brothers, I also mention East meets West coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting the exact dates here. Get get the cheap plug in. Yes. <laughs> when you talk about the Good Brothers coming back on Central, can you please plug? There'll be a new East meets West on Sunday. So this is we're currently Saturday. So this will be coming out on Sunday, as will the new East Meets West. Once you've listened to this, why not we listen to East Meets West? Only on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. There we are. Uh, yeah, so do you think we could see Judgment Day versus the Good Brothers uh, mm. in, in the War Games match? Or do you think someone else will be in the men's War Games? You don't need to say who.
0: I mean, it sets it up nicely because it looks like the OC's going up against Judgment Day at this point. I mean, it's all they would need now from the OC is like a a female competitor to join them. And then I think, I mean, it'd be the first intergender war games match, I reckon, but mm, unless they get one more male from either side and have it just uh, an all-male affair, then, I don't know. It's uh, difficult to say because I think it'd be stupid not to have the bloodline in war games as well. I reckon they could just get away with a six-man tag match at some point. Maybe Crown Jewel. But um, might be a bit tricky to try and build war games around that. Especially when you say they've got other commitments at this point.
1: Yeah. Well, obviously it does all depend on when they are free. Um, What What about Edge? Where do you see Edge going from here? Um, Well, there was a story that broke
0: that he's actually um, he's been cast in Percy Jackson's new Disney Plus series. So, so I, think really that, cool. <laughs> I think that's going to write him off for for a while. But I suppose that's a good thing because you know Ray jumping to SmackDown Judgment Day now feuding with the OC. It doesn't it doesn't put an exclamation point on the feud because obviously what, what happened with Beth, you know, they've got a Beth Rhea reason to have them face each other. I reckon they'll pick up again around Mania season. Maybe they're just sort of trying to get Survivor Series and the, the rest of the year out of the way and then come the Royal Rumble, they can get WrestleMania booking lined up.
1: Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> we've actually seen a lot more of Edge than we thought we would this year because we've had him at day one in Royal Rumble in a program with the Miz, uh, the AJ Styles Judgment Day sort of feud that ran WrestleMania, WrestleMania Backlash, and I believe Hell in a Cell, and then mm-hmm. we had the return at Summerslam, and then the Clash at the Castle match, and now we've had this match. So, well, it's not as if it's not as if Edge has been shunning his responsibilities. I think. He's actually over delivered because mm-hmm. he, he mentioned before it takes him a few months between matches, but he's been more and more and more. He's been getting involved, especially since the Seth Rollins feud.
0: Oh yeah, like the, the Rollins feud last year was was brilliant, and he's doing a really good job with you know making Judgment Day look like killers as well. You know, recruiting Dom. You know, he's probably getting a few pointers from them as well. They're setting up Beth Rhea He's got a reason to go after Judgment Day again. Still, Ray has a is sort of wanting out of it. But I reckon, I reckon if they end up, you know, being in the same at the in the Royal Rumble match at the same time, that's when I think they'll start to pick things up again.
1: I think at WrestleMania, um, I think you'll maybe see. Priest, Dom, and Rhea go up against um, go up against Edge, Edge, Ray, and Beth. I think in an intergender match mm. at best. Yeah, I think that's when we'll see that. I think Balor will be involved, in some mm. bigger, possibly something with Ray with AJ, but not I not
0: think- not Mania. No, no, no. I I think you have to have Ray versus Dom one on one at Mania. Really, yeah. Fair I think the, I mean the inter the intergender tag match definitely would want to see it, but maybe do it on like elimination chamber. Yeah, that's fair enough.
1: Um, so we'll move on to the main event, the fight pit, uh Seth Rollins, Matt Riddle, a feud that's been going for quite a while now, uh, all the way back mm-hmm. since uh, post Money in the Bank, I believe. Yeah, and.
0: Been going on for three months now, yeah.
1: Yep. So we, uh, Rollins eventually got the win. Uh, Clash of the Castle. Rollins here with his RVD style uh, attire and haircut, and <laughs> um, Rollins with his usual it's a riddle with his usual slick back hair and shorts on. Daniel Cormier is the referee. I really enjoyed him here. Um, he didn't mm. throw his weight around, but. Whenever the competitors didn't listen to him, he like had them up against the cage and go, You're not fighting him, you're fighting me. Don't touch me again. But mm-hmm. like, just giving fair warning. And you seem like Riddle as a an actual MMA fighter didn't blink, but you saw the fear in Rollins' eyes. Oh yeah, for sure. But um not as good for for me as the the Thatcher Champa fight put. Mm-hmm. Of a Thatcher Riddle fight pit, I just I really enjoy those much more. But I think I, I've watched this twice, once live and what, watched it back. Since I enjoyed it in second viewing because I think we were just waiting for Bray Wyatt at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, it's a good match, but it's it was not main event worthy. I don't think because you could easily mm-hmm. have led. Easily main evented with Edge against Balor, because if he's not going to attack anyone, um, Braves return, it's absolutely fine just to do it right after after the I quit match, but... You know what,
0: I I think it was logistics that made it tricky, because obviously for the fight pit, you had to take the ropes down, and... um, yeah, that caused. I think that would have been a bit tricky, you know, to try and get them all back on in time for the I Quit match if it was going to go like that. But um, but then again, they did do the sumo match at WrestleMania 21. That had to take the ropes down as well. But by the end they put them back on.
1: Let's not talk about the sumo match of WrestleMania 21.
0: I, I'm, just, I'm just talking, you know.
1: Yeah, I'm, really and,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking logistics and setup, you know, but. I reckon they just made it easier by just taking the ropes down so they didn't have to put them back on.
1: Yeah. Um, So Matt Riddle gets the win here. Uh, Throws Seth off the platform as they're fighting above the ring. Has a floating (laughs) Broton. Hell of a (laughs) spot. the The cage. That looked brutal. Yeah. And then chokes out Rollins for the win. A good match. A good win for uh, Riddle uh, and Bobby Lashley. We'll, we'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about why Bobby Lashley lost the United States title to Seth Rollins in a minute. But Seth Rollins is now United States champion, and as he was, <laughs>
0: due,
1: <laughs> he was due a match uh, before this. He got his match on Raw, and because Riddle was the last person to beat Seth. They're going to go at it one more time this coming Monday on Raw for the U.S. title. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing Riddle. I know people bemoan short title runs, but Riddle building on the big one at the fight pit to win back the U.S. title wouldn't exactly hate it.
0: No, I wouldn't be against it either, but there's something more significant that occurred because of Rollins' title win. He is now the second person to be a two-time Grand Slam champion after The Miz.
1: There we are. Yep. <laughs> let um, let's before we go into a, a Bray Wyatt, let's talk about the Miz looking for Triple H the entire night throughout Extreme Rules, mm-hmm. only to be harassed by the. I, I don't know who the mascot was. I don't follow American sports, but that's big. It looked like the Springfield Gun uh, from Simpson <laughs> <laughs> mixed with the Sugar Puff Monster. <laughs> I, the entire night that it was going to lead up to him taking the helmet off and it was Dexter Loomis. We got this swear when Dexter just appears, chokes out Miz, takes the mascot with him and the mascot goes back and takes one swift kick at the Miz. Um, the Miz, never afraid to make a fool of himself on these shows.
0: No, definitely not. And this program with Loomis has actually been quite, quite interesting to watch because they are having a match on Roswell and if Loomis wins he officially becomes a WWE superstar. So, because he's been wandering around like a bit of a, uh, a bit of an anomaly, a bit of a, a fugitive a little bit.
1: I know he stole Mrs. cake as well this past Monday. all no, that's just a no-no. But anyway, we'll, we'll get <laughs> into possibly the biggest news story of the week. Um, the reason we're specifically doing a show this week uh, is to be... Uh, behind-the-scenes look at how central was done. We were meant to do this yesterday. I went for a nap at 10 to 5 with the intention of getting up at 6. And I woke up at 10 past 10. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> we have made sure to do it today because the chance of We Want Wyatt went out throughout the night. And this is what everything built towards. The QR codes, the white rabbit. We saw a bit of the the White Rabbit during the Donnybrook match. There was the the glitch in the little computer screen, the rabbit going down the, the hole in the fire. This, to me, was like CM Punk's return on Rampage. We all knew it was going to be CM Punk. We all wanted it to be CM Punk. We all tuned in, full well knowing CM Punk was showing up. If he didn't show up that night, we would have been disappointed. This was a... I'd seen Alistair Black was floating about. i seen some some uncredible sources were saying The Undertaker. A lot of other people were saying, oh, it's a, it's a red herring. It definitely won't be Bray. Pardon me. But, yeah. Instantly. Yep. <laughs> Can you imagine?
0: <laughs> he's expected so he, to return he, Elias, though. He's,
1: he's back next week. Um, uh, they just had to wait till his, his beard grew back. I liked Ezekiel, uh, but anyway, um, we we see the lights go out. Everyone loses their mind. You'll be Cole and calm going, I thought we were off the air. Wyatt no comes f- over the tannoy.
0: The watermark.
1: <laughs> Wyatt comes over the tannoy singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. The entire arena is singing along with him. The Cell phone camera lights are on. We then see a different sections of the arena. We've got li- uh, real-life versions of Huskis the Pig, Mercy the Buzzard, Abigail. We've got the actual sister, Abigail. We've got the... What is the rabbit's name? Rambling Rabbit. Rambling no, Rabbit. Not, not to be confused
0: with rampant Rabbit.
1: Yeah, that, that's what I had in my head there and I was like <laughs> not that and I can't say that on air but, um, we then had Cole and Graves shit themselves as someone leaves the burnt fiend mask on the on the commentary desk and then the fiend himself appears in the crowd everyone loses their shit thinking it's going to be him it's him it's him the lights go out again the door busts open the big beaming light we see the neglected and broken down uh, Firefly Funhouse while the tune plays sort of eerily in the background. And then eventually the hand comes through the door, the lantern in hand. Bray Wyatt comes out with this new sort of, Scott described it to me as, uh, have you seen the Ethan Hawke film advertised, Uh, The Black Phone or something like that, I think it's called? And he's like a he's like a creepy sort of guy who, who kidnaps children. He's got this sort of mask on and it's just so, so, so creepy. That was the mask. That's what it put me in the mind of. But yeah, the mask comes off and even, even though we all know it's Bray Wyatt, the crowd loses their mind when it's finally him and the show goes off the air with the old-fashioned... Wyatt family sort of, like, static buzz sort of. I can't, I can't even describe it. Just yeah, you know the, the, sound. The, the,
0: the screen cut with the white noise, yeah.
1: Yep. And there was, and, a, uh, there was a picture of an upside-down moth as well. Yeah. I, so we saw this, and then let, let's just jump into SmackDown, the main event of SmackDown, um, or the main section of SmackDown this week. Bray Wyatt comes out. He's got a new music again. I, I quite enjoyed it. He comes out, he's in a plain t-shirt and plain trousers, looking as normal as he's ever looked. He gives an emotional sort of almost tripping over his words uh, speech where he thanks people, he talks about people he's lost. He says, you know who you are. I don't know if that's a, if that's just a throwaway line to make the speech a bit better or if we're going to see something in the future but we did see on Raw well why it wasn't there, there was the accept what you are, accept what you are, you know what you are from the mask now Bray was trying to give a heartfelt promo only for the masks to appear on the screen again taunting Bray, taunting that that that, the darkness is still here basically, the Mm -hmm. It just it doesn't go away, and I am all for this because I I know why it's a big horror fan. I liked the fiend. I likened it to Pennywise, where he had the firefly funhouse. That was the sort of fun Pennywise to lure people in, and then the fiend that was like the evil Pennywise that ate people. That was the terrifying <laughs> side of it, and. I like that. This is this seems like a sort of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde sort of thing, where Bray wants to be good, but he can't escape it.
0: He can't escape the. The guy that looks like a who's hiding behind an Aztec weird mask. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm trying to figure out like what does that mask remind me of, and I just can't put my finger on it. But it looked like one of those, you know, like ancient Aztec gods kind of mask.
1: For me it was the black phone. since <laughs> Scott pointed it out. You know what? We'll go with that. We'll go with that. We'll go with the the black phone then. But yeah. Um well we'll just open this up to wild speculation. What do you think this means for the white character? And who do you think he goes after first?
0: You know what? I think something that hasn't been done before in WWE, a character feuds with themselves. In that Bray Wyatt's main feud is that his return is you know a redemption arc for himself and his first feud is going up against this masked Hyde character almost. If he ends up losing he actually transitions back into it and then he goes after someone big because people still need to reacquaint themselves with Bray Wyatt a little bit especially if if they're new to the product. But that's just me speculating, and it would certainly be a nice change, you know, just from going after a random SmackDown star to begin with. Have him continue this inner conflict. If the darkness takes over, then that's the character that goes forward. It's almost reinventing himself in the way that he created The Fiend a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's that is a, that's a good show. I think not so much he's feuding with himself, but on the do you remember when they used to do the Firefly Funhouse and it was sort of like Firefly Bray and Fiend were two different people? Mm-hmm. But, Firefly, uh, but Firefly Bray knew what the Fiend was up to. He knew what the Fiend had done. He didn't ever try to hide it. And I would I would like it if it's like this masked guy attacking people only for like, Bray to show up at the arena the next week. Mm. And getting interviewed by Saxton or Kathy Kelly or something Unless, unless. Alright, let me finish my thought first <laughs> Sorry, I <yeah>, just <laughs> But, um, like say he attacked Rollins, I'm just using Rollins Why did you attack Seth Rollins and he gets all defensive I didn't attack, I didn't attack him mm-hmm. Because he had no memory of it Sort of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sort of thing Yeah oh, The original Incredible Hulk TV series Ah, alright
0: But there's also another thing the Wyatt Six. Now WWE has trademarked the term Wyatt Six, and it could be that they could get folk that are parading around as Huskins, Mercy, Abigail, um, Ram Rambling Rabbit. Maybe those could be the ones that end up attacking other people by order of the Hyde character. But everybody still points the finger at Bray, so he doesn't technically get involved it could just be more his his puppet pals do all the work for him.
1: I wouldn't mind that, yeah. As long as, like...
0: Did you see see Abigail as well? She's actually... Abigail's wearing the mask, the skull-looking mask that Brody Lee had when he was part of the Bludgeon Brothers. Ah, nice. I mean, I thought that was... That's a very fitting tribute.
1: I don't mind the animals attacking as long as, like, they are eventually unmasked as... Oh my God, that's like Bo Dallas, or you know what I mean. Bo Dallas is set to be returning. See,
0: it'd be that, nice to pair. Be, be nice to pair him with his brother as well.
1: Yeah, I think that would be good because he is one of the original NXT champions, NXT's Triple H's baby. You know, let's let's have him come home. But um,
0: mm,
1: just believe. No, no, I've never stopped believing, but. <laughs> um, let's... Let's move on to Monday Night Raw. So we've talked about the Good Brothers returning. We've talked about Seth Rollins winning the United States title. We haven't talked how he won it. Bobby Lashley on the mic challenging Seth Rollins. He mentions he's beaten John Cena. He's beaten Roman Reigns. He's beaten Brock Lesnar only for, as if it was scripted, Roman (laughs) Reigns' entrance. Sorry, um, Brock Lesnar's entrance music hits. Brock Lesnar hits the ring. He F 5s Bobby, suplexes him, F 5s him again, puts him in the kimura lock, beats the holy hell out of, um, beats the holy hell out of Bobby Lashley. Brock Lesnar's back. It must be Crown Jewel time. Rumours that he's fighting Daniel Cormier uh, at some point, maybe a WrestleMania match. I think we might eventually get that proper one-on-one, without interference, a WWE so Sorry, not WWE title match. Bobby versus Brock match Aye. that we did at the Rumble when they fought for the WWE title.
0: I'd love to see them go at it again. I think the Rumble definitely was just spout with, interferences and whatnot, and then there was the, the Fatal Five Way Day One, but it's. We've not seen them go one on one with each other with not where neither of them have like people that could interfere on their behalf. Like, and I think this has been a dream match for for some time. It's, even like during Bobby's first run, you know, people were comparing him to Brock Lesnar given how nimble and agile he was, despite despite these two sort of being the same height and build. Yeah, I think. I think this would be a banging match, especially for even if it's on Crown Jewel. But if it's a if it's a short match, doesn't matter as long as it's hard hitting and if they gel well with each other, that's all you can really ask for. It's like one of those big meaty men slapping meat matches you really want to look forward to.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> um, let's talk about a couple of things that happened on SmackDown this week. So. It looks like, um, well, first of all, let's talk about the bloodline, uh, specifically Jey Uso and Sami Zayn not getting along. Um, Roman Reigns giving Sami Zayn a lot of leeway, um, letting him speak out of turn, letting him handle certain issues. Jey Uso really doesn't trust him. And much to the chagrin of Jey Uso, Roman is telling him, Uh, Roman is telling him to handle business and make sure Sammy gets the win. They didn't do it on Raw this week against Riddle, Riddle building his momentum, but they did do it on SmackDown this past week when they went up against Kofi Kingston of The New Day, mm-hmm. uh, Xavier Woods and Kofi, obviously. Kofi, Xavier and Biggie are the longest reigning tag champs in WWE history at 483 days. The Usos, with a separate title, it must, uh, must say, are currently 453 days with the SmackDown uh, Tag Team Championships. They are 30 days away from breaking the record, and the New Day have made it clear they want to stop it because their legacy is on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, the New Day have never been colder than they are right now.
0: They have lost a lot of steam, especially without Big E. Um, but that that wasn't anybody's fault. That was just a freak accident, what happened to Big E. But at least he's on the mend. But you're right, the New Day just feels like another act at this point. They don't feel like main event tag team status anymore. That's Usos in the bloodline have just overtaken that and just gotten up to everyone. It, it won't surprise me if the Usos are the... End up breaking the record for longest tag title reign because much like the Brawling Brutes, you know, they deliver banger after banger after banger with storyline, with drama. Match quality has been top-notch from those guys for for years now. And I don't think they've been fully appreciated until around probably about a year ago, when once Jay had his sort of brief main event run, Jimmy came back from injury and then they just sort of ran rampant across Everyone, including RK Bro, which was getting massively over at that point.
1: Yep. Um, would you like to see Usos against New Day again, even though the New Day are, aren't as big a mm. draw at the minute? Or would you. I think it would be good to see if they, if they could do it. Like, maybe, like, listen, this is the last time we can fight, but, and you can stop the record. I'd love to see them be given the entire third hour of Raw. Say say it's like Mm. the record broken. Or again, save it for for Crown Jewel. Well, even Crown Jewel, there's still time to break it, you know what I mean? Where are we now? Yeah, so Crown Jewel's a couple of weeks away.
0: Mm -hmm. They'll have time, yeah. Yeah. But no, the Usos and the New Day always have great matches together. I mean, just look at their, their series of matches in 2017. The SummerSlam pre-show, which shouldn't have been a pre-show match, all the way up to Hell in a Cell. Still one of my favorite Hell in a Cell matches to this day. They've got amazing chemistry together. They, they would probably steal the show if given another chance. And it gives a bit of rejuvenation to the New Day a little bit after, you know, they've sort of been really on the, on the back burner for so long.
1: Yeah. Um, so let's move on to another thing that happened on SmackDown. Uh, Cora Jade showing up on. No, sorry, Roxanne. Was it Roxanne Perez? Roxanne
0: Perez, yeah.
1: Roxanne Perez showing up uh, prior to her uh, match at Halloween Havoc next week against uh, Cora Jade. Uh, Roxanne Perez has to pick a SmackDown superstar for Cora to face this week on NXT. Cora Jade will be on Raw this week, picking a Raw superstar for Roxanne to face on NXT. Uh, Cora's picked uh, Raquel Rodriguez and Raquel, and R- Raquel will be on NXT this week, but she'll also be on SmackDown next week, teaming with Shotzi to take on damage control for the tag team championships.
0: Big week for Raquel, for sure. Um, mm. I've been not been paying much as attention to Roxanne and Cora on NXT as of late because SmackDown's TV quality has just been top notch. It's, I think it's still reminds me of like early, early 2000s when SmackDown was really the only show I watched because of just how good quality it was. But yeah, it'll be good to see Raquel, you know, getting more of a, a spotlight put on her. And I mean, her blink and you miss it tag team title reign with Aaliyah was, it was fine for what it was, you know, it gives damage control a bit more, storyline out of it but I'll, I'll, I'm just curious as to who Cora's going to pick for Roxanne in the, the pick your poison stipulation I've got a couple of ideas but who do you think
1: um Aska, let's go Asuka mm,
0: okay but I'll see your Asuka and I raise you Rhea Ripley
1: mm, yeah
0: I well, wouldn't say naughty that I mean, obviously, both great NXT alumni, but it would it would make more sense if Cora picked a heel, and who which bigger heel female on the roster than either Ray Ripley or maybe even Bailey at a push.
1: Uh, <laughs> we also have um, a new number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship, so the carrying cross Drew McIntyre storyline takes another bizarre turn carrying cross involved in a car crash outside the arena um, it clearly wasn't Drew because Drew comes running all six foot seven of them much to the surprise of everyone who didn't hear him running yelling <laughs> 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 um, <Feed to>, <laughs> Ah to, to quote the uh, old school review guys he peril harboured him Right in front of him, but anyway, he, um, <laughs> so he he attacks him. Carrying um, Cross is taken out of the main event. It was meant to be a fatal four way for the number one contendership for the Title. Ricochet, Sheamus, Solo Sokola and Carrying Cross. Carrying Cross was replaced by Ray Mysterio. He had showed up on SmackDown to discuss with Triple H leaving the WWE because he refused to fight his son Dominic. So, the best thing to do is to separate them. Apparently, Triple H being Good Dad, uh, if you can't get along together, you'll go to separate bands. And if you can't get along at Survivor Series, the brand split will go to a charity shop. But anyway, <laughs> um, they've been separated now. And Rey Mysterio uh, is now the number one contender for Walter, uh, Gunther's Intercontinental title. I enjoy a little enlarged matchup. We've seen Gunther have these matches with. Uh, Ilya Dragunov and Tyler Bay. I'm looking forward to see him going up against Rey Mysterio.
0: I same, but it also gives Rey a new program to sort of fill the gap in between, you know, the fallout from Clash at the Castle, and like we said earlier on, they could easily just pick it back up around Mania season, and then then they could just do the conclusion of the story from there. But moving Rey to SmackDown, giving him the intercontinental title feud, it gives. Gunther, a new feud as well. You know, it moves him away from the brawling Brutes and Sheamus, effectively, because I reckon they'll pick it up at some point again during a season as well. So it's it's long-term booking. You know, mix things up a little bit, but for good reason. You know, keep the product fresh, but people are still... will still remember the the overarching story angle that delivered these big moments from the summer. You know, Judgment Day looking like Looking like, I mean, I wasn't overly confident with them at first, but they've they've won me over as one of the top heels stables in the business. That and you know the little and large match, as you say. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be tough to top the Sheamus matches, but if anybody can do it, it's going to be Rey Mysterio. You know, he's been an underdog in his entire life.
1: Yep. Uh, so another person breaking out on the scene, uh, let me talk to you, L.A. Knight, yeah. moving, away, moving away from the Max Dupree uh, debacle, let's just call it that, uh, a win against the former Mansoor, um, the fans going crazy for L.A. Knight, only for him to say, Nah, I don't need you chanting my name I don't need a bunch of incels chanting my name <laughs> I know exactly who I am, so we have a heel La Knight back again Yes, or <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Yeah But um, we've got La Knight back as a heel, and also speaking of heels in Smackdown, uh, the new commentary pairing of Wade Barrett and Michael Cole a uh, we we discussed this in the group chat when the new pairings were first announced. The new pairings were Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves, which we saw this week for the first time on Monday Night Raw.
0: I kid you not, that Kevin Patrick is dire on commentary. I'm
1: not, not the biggest fan myself, but I'll uh, give, uh, him, I'll give uh, him more than a week. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll,
0: yeah, I'm getting major Todd Grisham vibes from him.
1: The sixth lead anchor on Raw in the past three years... Um, we have Booker T and Vic Joseph over on NXT and we have Wade Barrett and Michael Cole over on SmackDown so they've made it clear that Pat Pat McAfee isn't done with the WWE he is obviously he's got NFL commitments or is it college football that he's doing?
0: One of the two, yeah, it's football commitments of sorts
1: Yeah, and I, I floated the idea you think he'll come back to SmackDown and Wade will go back to NXT replace Booker. I think Wade stays on SmackDown, and I think because NXT isn't live anymore, NXT they take two, three, four weeks at a time. I think it probably be easier for McAvee and his mm-hmm. schedule to do NXT because he can do one night, four weeks of tapings, and then he's available to go do his own podcast and any other sports commitments that he has mm. um, and it, it still keeps him on the WWE umbrella there's not a not a monthly pay-per-view, obviously they've made it clear Cole and Graves are going to call them but you know, once every quarter he does an NXT takeover I think it's easier for him and easier for the company to balance but you, do you think he's just going to go back to Smackdown?
0: Well, now that you've mentioned that it wouldn't surprise me if he took up a commentary role on NXT again, you know, to balance his commitments out. But if NXT needs that little bit of viewership boost, I mean, I think people would tune in just to listen to Pat's commentary because he's that much of a, of a, he's got that much charisma about him. I mean, sure. It'd be, it makes sense to put him on primetime TV as well, but why don't you give him a shot in NXT still? Cause he can still compete of sorts you know it gives people a reason to tune into nxt even if it's just to see see him do commentary and who knows maybe maybe may, may even get involved in a couple of matches here and there with development development talent you know he, put, he he's surprisingly good in the ring you know he did did well against adam cole a couple of years back he did uh put a decent showing against austin theory at wrestlemania yeah. i i wouldn't say no to having him in nxt
1: Pardon me. Um, so, from a, someone who may be going to NXT, to so someone who's arrived from NXT on SmackDown, uh, Hit Row arrived last week. Yeah. Uh, oh. The yeah. Guido Del Fantasmo arrived last week. They attacked Hit Row. They had a match against Hit Row this week. Uh, Raul, is it Raul Mendoza? They've changed his name. It's to Cruz del Toro, yeah. Cruz del Toro, yeah. I was... Baffled by the name change, but not only is there a name change, but there is a stablemate change. Selena Vega replacing Electra Lopez in Legado del Fantasma. I don't have as much a problem with this as certain people do. For me, Legado was the three of them. Electra was added. When (laughs) NXT 2.0 I've defended, but... Legado were not a big part of NXT 2.0. They were more black and gold. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the the run with the Cruiserweight title, the feuds with the likes of Jordan Devlin, uh, Swerve and uh, Kushida were big parts of uh, Santos Escobar's uh, run there. But Electra Lopez came in. She was sort of used as eye candy. It wasn't for me, but Zelina Vega who has had success as a manager before leading and andrade to the NXT and United States title in the past. She was uh, apparently chose according to Dave Meltzer. She was chose because she's got more in-ring experience and they thought when the two women go at it, she would be a lot better opponent for b who's mm. obviously just, she's only since she was in WWE did she become a wrestler. Um, Vega was originally planned to reunite with either Andrade if he came back, or Malachi Black if he returned oh. to the company. But obviously, in the meanwhile or in the interim, happy for Zelina to be here because to me, Electra, she's she's the Scrappy Do. You know what I mean? You can do a Scooby doo film without without Scrappy. You can do it <laughs> without Electra. Yeah,
0: Electra never really stood out as much from legado as you know the the other guys did and having zelina as you said with a as a, who's a good mouthpiece and is a good manager not to mention a decent competitor as well yeah it makes sense to have her go up against Bfab because electra wasn't all that captivating in the ring when out of the the matches i'd seen her in because i think she had one match i can't remember who it was up against but i don't think it was received well all things considered,
1: no, I, I I think she had a match on level up that I caught once, and it was not exactly uh, George Hackenschmidt. But anyway, <laughs> uh, let's nah. talk some before we move on to uh, AEW because uh, there's some crossover news this week uh, with AEW and Impact Wrestling. So Impact's Bound for Glory uh, 2022 aired this past Friday, the day before uh, (coughs) Extreme Rules, excuse me. So there were nine matches on the card. uh, Sorry, eight matches on the card. Um, I'll just run through them just now, uh, quick results. So if you've not watched it, fingers and ears. Uh, Brian Myers held an open invitational match for his Impact Digital Media Championship on the pre-show and who should answer it but Dirty Dango himself, the former fan Dango. unfortunately
0: <laughs>
1: unfortunately he couldn't get the win and Brian Myers is still your Impact Digital Media Champion Frankie Kazarian is now a five time Impact X Division champion and also the 100th reign of that title Wow! Uh, after, defeating, after defeating Mike Bailey via submission in the opening match. Mickey James, in a career-threatening match, defeated uh, Mia Yim. The Death Dolls, uh, Jessica and Taya Valkyrie with Rosemary, defeated the team of Chelsea Green and Diana Perazzo for the Impact's Knockout World Tag Team Championships. The Kingdom, more on them later, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, uh, the only winners for On or No More on the night, uh, defeated the more City Machine Guns via uh, shenanigans, Feet on the Ropes, uh, to retain the Impact World Tag Team title. This one I'm not a fan of, and we'll speak about it later on. Bully Ray, the returning Bully Ray, uh, eliminated Steve Macklin in the 20 person intergender Call Your Shot gauntlet. The winner receives a trophy and a contract to can vote for any time within one year for any championship match of their choosing. Uh, Jordan Grace gives Masha Slamovich her first loss in the company defeating her via pinfall for the Impact Knockout World Title and Josh Alexander defeats Eddie Edwards to retain his Impact World Tag Team Championship uh, Impact World Championship I should say stretching his reign to 6 months now so let's let's get into this so I'll I'll, I'll talk about what I, I liked first I like the pre-show. I like Brian Myers with this sort of, it's sort of a light heavyweight European title feel about this title. It's not one of the important ones, but Brian Myers is making it important and it's always Mm. on the pre-show, sort of like the Cruiserweight title was towards its end of the main roster run. Brian Myers going up against up-and-comers, Going up against established talent as well, uh, defending it on the indies. What I like about Impact is if you subscribe to Impact Plus on YouTube, you get their weekly shows, but they also message, they also send alerts and let you know that, hey, Brian Myers is at New York Championship Wrestling. He's defending the Impact Digital Media Championship. Hey, Josh Alexander's at this promotion. He's defending his World Championship. So you get to see them around the indies, and it keeps them, even if they're not on Impact TV, they are kept, you're kept in the loop by Impact. Um, enjoyed uh, Mickey James, Mia Yim, more well, than I thought. Kazarian Bailey was sensational. Not a fan of this 20 person call your shop battle royal, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. So, Steve Macklin, uh, an Impact. The Forgotten Son. The Forgotten Son, yes. The former Steve Cutler. If you could have picked any release superstar and told me they were going to be a star, I would have believed every single one before Steve Cutler. But yet here we are. He's defeated Alex Shelley. He's defeated Jay White and Alex Shelley at the same time. He's defeated Sammy Callahan. He's defeated Moose. He's defeated both of those guys in a barbed wire mayhem match. Um, he's... He's undefeated. I I believe he went a year without being pinned. He feels like... Do do, do you ever get it when there's just a natural progression and it feels like, you're the next guy? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You're the next guy. He was part of the team that went up against Honor No More. And it just felt like he was there. He was ready ready to win it. So he was entered at number three in the match. Then we had... It was a fun little...
0: Got the most most eliminations as well with five.
1: Yep. Uh, We had a fun little bit. We had a couple of returns. We had the likes of uh, Taylor Wilde returning. Then we had the ECW section. Uh, We had Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer and Rhino all coming out. Uh, Not much of a surprise considering Raven was going into the Hall of Fame before the show. So we had a small ECW return... Then at number 20, making his return, Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder, uh, returns to returns to Impact Wrestling. And I thought, right, if it's not Macklin, it's going to be Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona is eliminated by Bupinder Guja, and it was very much Daniel Bryan being eliminated by Bray Wyatt vibes in the 2015 Royal Rumble. It was, mm. it was just pointless. We come down to Macklin versus Bully Ray. Now, the end of this match, it becomes a one-on-one match. I was thinking to myself, right, and here's Macklin. He's going to get another feather in the cap. He's beaten Moose. He's beaten Callahan. He's two former Impact champions. He's beaten uh, the IWGP World Champion, uh, Jay White. He's beaten uh, Impact legend, Chris Savard. Uh, Alex Shelley. he's beaten former Impact champion Chris Sabin. This is going to be another feather in the cap, another world title winner he's taken down. No, Billy Ray hits him with a bully ball and pins him clean. One, two, three, that's it. And uh, Dave, I know you're not a regular Impact mm-hmm. viewer, but myself and Scott, I think, are the only on the pod regular viewers of the product. Yeah. Impact, since the Slammiversary in 2020, when there was a big hype about released wrestlers joining Impact, has slowly been plugging away and having great, great matches, great monthly specials. They had the crossover with AEW for a while. Kenny Omega came on to the specials and the pay-per-views and did some great matches for them. They've continued to build homegrown talent. They have an actual era vibe of, Anyone can show up, and everyone is doing something at the one time. And this just felt like a massive step backwards from what they are doing. Steve Macklin is the homegrown talent. Mm-hmm. I know he was in WWE for seven years, but you could have you could have watched you could have watched WWE for those seven years and not noticed Steve Macklin.
0: You'd have forgotten him easily.
1: Yeah, they would have forgotten him. Pun intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Matt Cardona returning from an injury. After being on top of the world as GCW and NWA world champion at the same time, that would have been an acceptable like substitute because Cardona does have more of a name value. But Billy Ray, to me, Billy Ray's fifty-one years old at the minute. Billy Ray is not looking; he's not out of shape, but he doesn't look great. And I'm just not a fan of. This because at the end of the show he, he teases cashing in. He then saves Josh Alexander from and No More and tells Josh Alexander, I'm gonna push you to your limit. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you make you a better champion. I'm gonna push you to the absolute limit. You better be ready. So it looks like he's gonna be Josh Alexander's manager, and then the next time impacts on a proper pay-per-view is January. Are we going to have to put up with this sort of bully Ray mentorship until January so we can eventually get him to fuck? Because Josh Alexander, he held the tag titles for nearly two years. He held the X Division title for six, seven months, never lost the title. He gave it up voluntarily and then beat Christian Cage for the title, he's then beaten Moose for the title. He's beaten Eric Young. He's now beaten Eddie Edwards. To me, Josh Alexander <laughs> doesn't need this sort of grizzled old veteran coming back to help him, and that sort of just ends my rant because I, I just don't get where Impact's going here. And the two and a bit years I've been watching the product weekly, there has been no backsteps. For yeah. me, this is a massive leap back.
0: You know what I reckon? Because he's got the call your shot now, this is that is a red flag for a heel turn at somewhere down the line. We'll get Josh Alexander versus Billy Ray. But didn't Frankie Kazarian come out at the end of the show and say he's using option C?
1: No, there was no there was no option C on the pay per view. I haven't seen
0: may have been this- the weekly show.
1: Yeah, believe, hold on a minute. Yeah.
0: But yeah, whilst you, whilst you look at that, um, Mickey James, Mia Yim though, that caught my attention as well because I think Mickey James was teasing retirement at some point. So I'm kind of surprised that she got the win in the career-threatening match, but it has opened up a new door for Mia Yim given that she has now said she has left Impact. So, and WWE has been indicating that, you know, they want to bring back some more to more people, specifically female talent as well, like EAM could obviously be one of them, but one thing I have noticed in some of the Viking Raiders' most recent promos is that there's a woman talking in the background, you know making prayers and stuff. Who's to say that isn't Sarah Logan? Yeah, absolutely. Mhm. See, so, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where Mia Yim goes from here. You know, could she join AEW along with her husband, or do you think she'll be brought back to to WWE? I mean, I get, I I get, I know your feelings on Mia Yim as well. Like she's to you, she feels like another face in the crowd, and I get where that's coming from because she was in a stacked women's division in Black and Gold NXT, and it's easy for her to get lost in the shuffle on the the main roster as well. But I think with Triple H at the helm, and if they tweak her character just the right way, they can bring back um, Head Baddy in charge as opposed to Reckoning.
1: Yeah, look, I, I enjoyed the match. Um, but, but to me, just... <laughs> I know this was about Mickie James as most things seem to be an impact. I'm not a big Mickey James fan either, to be honest with you. The current Mickey James, I liked old Mickey James. Um, Stalker Mickey James. Yeah, I like that. Um, but it just felt like this is Mickey's match against an opponent when they had the Ultimate X, the uh, Sorry, the Queen of the Mountain match. It just felt like, oh my God, it's Perrazzo, it's Green, it's. it's uh, Tasha Steele's. Tasha steals, and it's Jordan Grease, and Mickey James of ringside. Uh, no, there's me, I am. And, and that, it just, there's nothing about her that just screams to me interesting, you know what I mean? And uh, But, look, I, the match itself was good, but again, it just felt like Mickey against an opponent. Uh, just to bring us back to the ultimate, uh, sorry, the option C It was after the main event on this week's Impact. That was it. Yes, he's announced that next week he will relinquish the title and exercise option C. Now, we don't know. There's no date given for when that will be. There's no date given for Impact's next monthly special. Uh, But it looks like the main event will be Frankie Kazarian against Josh Alexander. Frankie Kazarian is on some weird loan from AEW, by the way. Like, every... All of his matches, there is a wee AEW logo next to him mm. um, for, like, the promos and that. But, hey, Kazarian, fun... Fun X-Division title match. Great. He had a great... Uh, he won the Revolver match. Uh, no surrender. Hey, Not no, no surrender. Victory <laughs> road. And... Yeah, um, you enjoy that title, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and um, he will have a great match against Josh Alexander and hey I wouldn't be mad if he stays in Impact full time I just I don't think he gets used as well as he does in AEW but obviously I understand why he's there it's the money Mm. but yeah Yeah. uh, it looks like option C will be in place but let's just talk about um, heading back to Bound for Glory Uh, the Kingdom retained their titles uh, their tag team titles, and then showed up this past uh, this past Friday on AEW Rampage, um, Kingdom when Ring of Honor folded uh, for a period of time, didn't jump to AEW like a lot of the other stars. They they opted to set out their contracts and go to. Impact Wrestling, along with Vincent, uh, PCO, Kenny King, Maria, uh, Maria Kanellis was obviously with them, and it seems like there's going to be a bit of a crossover. But it it looks like it looks like they're allowed to work elsewhere, but they won't be letting on that they're working elsewhere mm. in this sort of new crossover era because they didn't have the Impact Tag Titles with them. They um, they just sort of called out the revival, at the FTR.
0: Yeah, they said they basically came onto Rampage, and they're calling out FTR to challenge for the Ring of Honor tag titles and the New Japan tag titles on an AEW show. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's just. <laughs> insanity calling out two different companies title belts on this on the show of a completely different company it's that's how mentally AEW is at, at the minute i mean it started off well don't get me wrong but trying to do absolutely everything under the aw banner is just not working like no. i can't even keep up with them now but i tell you what who you know who else was a part of kingdom originally who, who is still at, who is still on the ew roster one, Austin Jenkins, A.K.A. Adam Cole. There we are.
1: There we are. He's...
0: Bobby Fish is fucked off to Impact. Kylo is dealing with his neck injury. Paragon is basically up in smoke before it even started. And you know Adam Cole's been out for a long time with a concussion. He could be returning soon. What if he aligned you- himself with
1: Kingdom? I think it's undisputed that they've not been used (laughs) as well as the the people online thought they would. But anyway, um, we also, so Impact, sorry, not Impact, uh, AEW will be set for a Tuesday edition of Dynamite this coming Tuesday, obviously, on the 18th of October. (laughs) And someone who showed up to challenge Chris Jericho for his Ring of Honor World Championship, that still sounds weird, Dalton Castle, former uh, Ring of Honor champion in his own right, Dalton Castle showed up asking to take on Chris Jericho. That's been accepted. Uh, This was after Chris Jericho got on the mic and claimed he was the greatest Ring of Honor world champion of all time. Castle then headed to the ring, flanked by the boys. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Castle... We've not seen him uh, on many mainstream wrestling shows since Ring of Honor uh, was bought over by Tony Khan. This is his first sort of foray into the All Elite Universe. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be it'll be good to see him take on take on Chris Jericho. But there's also another title match planned for the 18th of October. Dynamite. Uh, <laughs> The uh, AW Trio's title. Hmm. Okie dokie. A- t- t- the Best Friends and... Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, after Orange Cassidy won the All-Atlantic Championship from PAC, are now going to take another t- try to take another title from Death Triangle as they t- challenge for the Trio's titles.
0: I mean, they, these two... Teams are really going at it as well. And it's good for Orange Cassidy that he's finally won his first championship in AEW after, what, three years, is it?
1: Yeah. Because he's so
0: over with the crowd. and It's only now that he's finally won a championship, especially given how many they've got on the show, most of which don't even belong to AEW.
1: Yeah, I know. I know it's absolutely, (laughs) absolutely bizarre at times. It really is, some of the stuff that goes on. But anyway... I think that is that is it for us this week on no no let's talk let's talk John Moxley. Um so that this is always the the tricky thing when you're when your talent are allowed to go elsewhere, when your talent are allowed to be on multiple promotions. John uh, John Moxley's not only the all-elite champion, he was was. The Game Changer Wrestling World Champion. Now I don't know if any of you've seen this, but he lost the title to Nick Gage uh, mm-hmm. this past week at uh, a live event for GCW. It is so put it this way, AEW is a major promotion should never have allowed John Moxley to lose the title and in this sort of fashion, to me, it's just like we we talk about how Romans maybe overbooked or overprotected. This was just not caring about the image of your world champion to me. This was a very indirific ICW sort of deathmat style thing with just loads of light tubes and glasses being smashed. And to me, if you're the world champion of a major promotion you don't then lose to some glorified stuntman, and I know that was a—I know that was an insult to use to describe Mick Foley, but Mike Foley could actually work. Nick Gage can't. Okay, Nick Gage is a is a deathmatch wrestler, not by choice but by necessity, and I just wasn't a fan of the fact that AEW have let their world champion, their three-time world champion, their record-breaking world champion. Lose the title lose a title in such a manner that is quite frankly demeaning of them and the promotion.
0: Yeah. Doesn't look good for them overall, but I think as Moxley has said now, he's gonna work a lot less in shows and more he's gonna have more time on AW, which I think he should, given that, you know, he is their he is their world champion, three time world champion. He came back from what was supposed to be his his time off just to fill the void from the, the all-out scrum. And, yeah, he's effectively keeping AEW afloat. So it doesn't surprise me that he has to have, uh, you know, all that. He has to put all his attention there.
1: Yeah, well... Speaking of uh, John Moxley, his his better half, Renee Paquette, she signed with uh, she signed with AEW. She is is she going to be a backstage announcer? or Is she going to be a commentator? I've not seen the the whole well, station. Well she,
0: she opened Dynamite by interviewing Christian, and I believe she did a few backstage segments as well. She might get a, a shot on commentary because obviously she has had experience behind the commentary desk.
1: I, I don't think she's a good commentator. I think she's a very good interviewer and a very good uh, podcast host. Right. But I, I, I don't think as a commentator she's very good. And the thing is, Renee Young herself, sorry, Renee Piquette herself, has said that she's never felt comfortable in commentary. She does It's not her thing. It's not where she flourishes. So, for me, I hope she, if she's there, I hope she sticks to backstage uh, announcing.
0: Yeah, if that's what works best for her, then yeah, no harm in that, but maybe it would be a different story if you didn't have Vince yelling in her ear all the time as well.
1: And Maybe. maybe that might be how we've seen Michael Cole's rise from the ashes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, at, the
0: cost, at the cost of his uh, partially his hearing.
1: Yeah, well there you go. So Also, uh, on new signings, Chris Bay signs a multi-year extension with Impact Wrestling. So it looks like the Bullet Club's sticking around Impact Wrestling for a bit longer. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that'll do for this week. We'll be back next week uh, previewing the fallout of Raw, the Tuesday night Dynamite, and looking ahead to NXT Halloween Havoc placing our bets over who the next North American champion could be and previewing that triple threat match for the NXT Championship. But before I go, thank you very much, Dave. Thank you. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, so take your own advice and choose. Choose. Oh, for God's sake, you Choose <laughs> um, well, I do the outro because you, remember you can find the massive back catalogue news, interviews, previews and reviews at Suplex Retweet. Uh, So eat sleep suplex retweet iTunes Anchor Spotify and Android. That at suplex retweet was meant for Facebook Twitter Instagram and YouTube, where you can find all our social media stuff. We'll see you soon. Uh, Thank you. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell, and in this show, you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.